It's time for JT the Brick. Receiver from the University of Colorado, number 21, Cliff Branch. We kick off the summer of Cliff Branch. Target drops back to pass. Steps up. He looks. Over the middle. He's got it. Touchdown Raiders. That's cut by Cliff Branch. The summer of Cliff. Cliff Branch. All summer long. JT the Brick. Prepare your phone call. I want Cliff content from you. Stabler plays big back to pass. Get the big rush. Otto cut the man. Stabler throwing deep for Branch. He's got it to 20. The 10. Touchdown Raiders. What separated Cliff was he was amazing, meticulous route runner. As we count down to Cliff, the summer of Cliff on the flagship. And now, here's JT the Brick. And filling in for JT today, here's Harry Ruiz. Raider Nation, it's Friday. Let's keep the summer of Cliff rolling here on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. In this block, we're going to hear Mark Davis tell the story about Cliff Branch that he spoke of yesterday after the press conference where Sandra Douglas Morgan was introduced as the new team president. Of course, we will talk about Sandra Douglas Morgan and her naming as a new team president in the show here today. Yesterday with JT, you heard the full press conference as it was happening at Allegiant Stadium. We'll talk a little bit more about what happened out there at the Death Star, at the new Raiders home where they are now going into year number two of playing there with fans in the stands in year number three overall since they moved out here to Las Vegas. Here's our lineup today of guests to close the week on the JT The Brick Show. Jesse Merrick, from News 3LV, he'll be joining me at 12.20. At the top of our number two, Vinny Vonsignor from the Review Journal and our very own Raider Nation, Radio 920 AM. He will be here at 1 o'clock. And Pavan Lakat, who is a gamer, who is a pro in playing Madden, he will be joining me at 1.25 p.m. After we're done with Vinny, we'll, we'll go to a break and then we'll bring Pavan on the air here with us to talk a little bit of that gaming side. I know that Bobby isn't too enthusiastic when it comes to video games and I stopped playing Madden, I don't know, like 10 years ago, but I think it's, an, it's a mistake because now I see gamers on Twitch making millions of dollars and I was like, damn. I was born 10 years too early. I could have been making some bank playing video games. And Pavan will be talking to him about that. He's a four-time club champion with the Raiders, repping the silver and black. So we have a stacked show today here for you here on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. August 4th is a Hall of Fame game. Raiders versus Jaguars in Canton, Ohio. Two days later, August 6th, 2022. At 9 a.m. Pacific time, you heard that right, 9 a.m. Pacific time, noon Eastern. It's the first time since 2006 that the Pro Football Hall of Fame will have a midday ceremony in Canton, Ohio. That means that we're 28 days and 21 hours away from Cliff Branch finally receiving the honor of being officially in the Hall of Fame. He's a member of the 2022 Hall of Fame class, but he will officially be enshrined out there in Canton, Ohio. I know he will be smiling up from heaven, enjoying that great moment. And we've been insisting, we want to hear your stories, Raider Nation, on what were your experiences were when you met Cliff Branch or watching him play in the Super Bowl and you were on t- watching him on TV or watching him in person. If you were did that, you were very lucky. Let us know what Cliff Branch meant to you. We're so close. 28 days and 21 hours, that means pretty much four weeks and a day. 
away from the induction ceremony for the 2022 Hall of Fame class in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So we told you we got Mark Davis telling a story about Cliff Branch. After the press conferences, there's always little media interviews done on the side because, yeah, it's cool. You got people up there in the podium, and Mark Davis, he's talking about his new president, but you always touch some other topics once you are off the stage. And one of the questions Mark Davis got was about Cliff Branch. And Mark Davis, you could hear that he got emotional when talking about him. So, we're asking for your stories, Raider Nation. I'm waiting for your calls. 702-365-9200. But El Jefe, El Dueño, the owner of the Raiders, Mark Davis, told this story about the legendary Cliff Branch. Yeah, Cliff, Cliff is my best friend. Um, we spend a lot of time together. He was a champion on and off the field. Um, I, I brought up a story yesterday. I was doing an interview for the uh, Hall of Fame, actually on Cliff, and uh, in October, October 1. We had the uh, tragedy here uh, at 91. And eight days later, Cliff lived in Santa Rosa and they had the Tubbs fire up there. His house burnt to the ground. One of his cars melted. The only thing Cliff left that house with was his three Super Bowl rings and, his, and a car to get out of there. He lost all his memorabilia. He lost everything that was dear to him. But nine days later, he was here in Las Vegas for the opening of the of the Golden Knights first game was there for that and then he and I went to see Jose Campos who is the security guard who was in MG in Mandalay Bay that night uh, surrounded by FBI all of those things but he came down to meet with that young man and to help bring comfort and everything else to the Las Vegas community that's the kind of guy Cliff was off the field and like I say, he's still my best friend, and he's gonna, he's gonna get tears out of me again now because I think about it, and I'm just so proud of him. And I'm just really, I really thank you for asking that question because it is very, very important to me that Cliff Branch is recognized. Yeah, he definitely will. He definitely is. He's a legend, not only of the Raiders, where he won. Every Super Bowl the franchise has won, he was there. He participated in it. He was a key part of them. And now he's also going to be recognized by the rest of the football world. There are some guys that it pisses me off when I see guys that are because they were on TV, they get into the Hall of Fame quicker than others. You see those talking heads on NFL Network, on Fox, on CBS, that because they're on the morning show before the games or after the games, they'll get in there quicker, even though their resume might not line up like those of Tom Flores, who finally got that honor recently, or like a Cliff Branch, who changed the game, who won three Super Bowls, who was an incredible person both on the field and off the field. They made him wait too long. He's not here with us anymore. But like you heard Al Davis, he was talking like if he was still alive, he still considers him his best friend. And I love that. That tells you how much Cliff Branch meant, meant and still means to Mark Davis. So way to go. Great story right there by Raiders owner Mark Davis on Cliff Branch. He also said that people that have been going to bat for Cliff Branch have been those that were on the field playing against them. Joe Green, Mel Blunt, Ronnie Lott. They all described him as the most feared guy they played against. 
So that tells you the quality of a player that he was. Obviously, I didn't get to watch him from the beginning of the season to the end to the Super Bowl. I wasn't born yet. But I love going up to the archives. And fortunately, nowadays, everything is in our fingertips. And I'm right now I'm in front of my laptop. I like working on my laptop. But I know the new generation, you guys love using your phones. And you're on your phones 24-7, 365, almost when you're asleep as well. You can go online and check all that Cliff Branch has done and not just see the stats, which are amazing, but watch the video. He was on a different speed than anybody else. Speed kills. He was incredible. So Cliff Branch, Hall of Fame, August 6th, 2022, 9 a.m. Pacific time. For those of us out here in the West Coast, the best coast, if you're out in the East Coast, noon, it kicks off. So check it out. It will definitely be a very, very important day for the Raider Nation. Justice will be finally made. And moving on now to what happened yesterday out here in Las Vegas, Sandra Douglas Morgan she became the president of the Raiders, first African-American woman to have this title in an NFL franchise, third African-American president in the NFL following Jason Wright from Washington, who took the position in 2020, Sashi Brown from Baltimore this year, third female president in the league, Kim Pagula, 2018 in Buffalo, Chrissy Coleman, 2022 in Carolina. This is great for the Raiders, and here's something that will definitely be making shockwaves throughout the league, and you noticed it everywhere, where the title wasn't saying Sandra Douglas Morgan becomes a Raiders president. No, everybody was talking in the national media about how she is the first African-American president in the NFL to be a woman, the first African-American woman to be a president in the NFL. And here's what she had to say about it. Let's hear Sandra Douglas Morgan. I have been the first in, in other positions that I've held, whether it be city attorney or the gaming control board. I definitely never want to be the last. And I went to get to a point, obviously, where there is no, no more first. Um, but as I kind of mentioned in my comments, you know, the, the impact that this has is not lost on me. If I definitely would tip my hat to all of the former, or not former, prior women that were leaders and visionaries. And if I could be an inspiration or help or open doors for any other woman and girl out there, then um, that's that's an incredible accomplishment for me. So the importance and effect of it is not lost on me. And I know that sports is a male-dominated industry, just as gaming was. And, you know, we need to continue to break down these barriers. So I'm, I'm happy to be here and, again, thankful for the opportunity. So the headlines everywhere said that. First African-American woman to become a president in the NFL. And of course, the Raiders, they got history of being trailblazers and opening doors that used to be closed for minorities in the past and giving opportunities to those people that deserve them. And Mark Davis, he talks about when he was asked, it was like, hey, your dad, he did all the great things and opening doors to other people. Now you get to do it. And here's what he had to say about it. She was hired because she's the best person for the job at this time. There's absolutely no question about that. The historic part hasn't been lost on me, but that was not the, the reason for it. It doesn't matter that she was a woman or that she's African-American. She's the right person for the job. And Mark Davis, he did his job 
He's been courting her and trying to get her with the Raiders for 10 months. He started talking with her over a year and a half ago when when they met. He told us, the media, that yesterday after the press conference, and she's the right person. You look at her resume. My God, it's impressive. She's been there. She's done that in every aspect. And now she gets to work in sports directly for a franchise. And I'll tell you this. In a completely lower level, of course, I used to be in the media. I used to work with the sports franchise. It's two completely different things in my side of the of, of the, the jungle, let's say that way. Communication side, broadcasting side. Once you're in with a team directly, it changes completely the, the landscape. There's different things that go a different way. So now... Sandra Douglas Morgan has this opportunity. She used to be with the Nevada State Athletic Commission. She was up here. She was like the league for MMA and boxing and everything combat sports related. And Nevada State Athletic Commission, it's different. Now she's directly with the sports franchise. Yes, her husband played in the NFL. But now she is la jefa when it comes up to everything business related with the Raiders. And here's what. Mark Davis had to say about Sandra Douglas Morgan a little bit more elaborated once he was down from the podium and spoke with the media about her. She was recommended by several people. And then, uh, you know, we, we, like I say, it was an exhaustive search of talking to a lot of qualified candidates. But every time, it just she seemed to rise to the top all the time on just the things that were key, key, keenly important to me. And that's, again, the culture of the organization has been talked about outside the organization as you know taking some hits and uh, I think what we had done is gotten into a situation where we were getting to be more corporate in the in the in the organization whereas a title was more important important than the person that was wearing the title so that it got to the point where people could be replaceable you know we can get an SVP for this anywhere and that's never been what the Raider organization has been about it's always been about the people first and family and uh, Sandra understands that and she understands that it's the people first. And, and that's the kind of culture we're gonna build where she's looking forward to meeting with everybody in the organization one-on-one to get to know them and get their feedback and everything else and start building that family culture again. He wants it to go from too corporate, that it probably went that way with other folks, to now being a family like it has always been. Let's remember, it was, or well, we're still kind of in the pandemic, but we are in a phase where it's like, all right, live life. But you go back to 2020, and we were in leaving home almost for absolutely anything. And 2021, it was absolutely mostly the same situation. Bobby, I'll ask you. You were out here at Lotus Broadcasting. How many folks were in the studio in 2020? I mean, you're one of the pillars out here this company doesn't go forward without you how many folks were in the building in 2020 three in counting tw- me 2021 how many people were here four and right now eight but there's way more folks like jt he would do the show on location from his home or from another studio or whatever mm-hmm. but people weren't coming into work the raiders it was the same situation people weren't going into the offices and it's difficult to have that human interaction and being able to it was pretty much just faces in the screen so now they got a new opportunity with this president to be a family back mm-hmm. again yeah but i got kind of used to having the building to myself i really <laughs> did 
It, it was, was great. It was it really nice was. for you, right? I, I, I think I saw maybe two people in a month. It was great. <laughs> I just walked in, punched in, and every twice a month to be a paycheck, and I'm good to go. Bobby Machado, the ultimate people person. Uh, Max Crosby. I love that, that we got to see him there yesterday at Allegiant Stadium. One of the stars in your team took time out of his day to be present when the Raiders introduced Sandra Douglas Morgan as the new uh, president of the squad. And Max Crosby, he spoke about precisely because it's two different things. He's a player. He's on the field. He's with the team. The business side of things, they don't interact much because it's like me. I don't go. I don't interact much with accounting because I'm not into that situation. I'm over here on the microphone. It's the same thing over there. Football side, business side. But Max wants it to be one big family. Let's hear from Mad Max Crosby. Yeah, you know, they're separate, but at the end of the day, we're, we're a big family. You know, Mark talks about it all the time, you know, just being um, a big family, and that's, that's number one. Um, we need everybody in the building to be on the same page. It can't be, um, you know, separate. It can't be everything separated. You know, every, at the end of the day, we're all trying to, you know, take this organization to the next level. Um, and the Davis family's done that for years and years, so um, we're just trying to you know, keep going. Yeah, it's important that everybody's on the same page, that everybody tries to be their best in whatever department they are on the team, be it communications, be it business, being marketing, being football, whatever it is, do your best. Put your little piece on that puzzle. Make sure it's in the right spot and that potentially it can end up becoming a Lombardi trophy that it'll be back there in the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center added to the three prior that the Raiders have won. Raider Nation, it's time to take a break. The JT The Brick Show is brought to you by Modelo, a model of what a good beer should be, delivering a crisp, refreshing taste. Find yours pretty much anywhere out here in Las Vegas and cool down with this heat. That's back in the triple digits with a modelo. Let's go to a break, and we're going to come right back with Jesse Merrick from News 3 Las Vegas. This is the JT The Brick Show with Harry Ruiz. We have so much more to do, and I'm excited to be at the helm of that growth and look forward to ushering in the new chapter for the Raiders. There she is, Sandra Douglas Morgan, the new president with the Las Vegas Raiders and somebody that was there at the introductory press conference covering it for News 3 Las Vegas is my man Jesse Merrick, who is joining me here today on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM on the JT The Brick Show. Jesse, how are you, man? My guy, Harry. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. I appreciate you having me on. Doing fantastic, of course. Yesterday, I asked you, I was like, hey, man, we got to have you one of these days. I didn't think it was going to be this soon, but I was like, you know what? It's perfect <laughs> because you were there. You lived it in person. You covered it. What was your impression of the of Sandra Douglas Morgan being introduced as a new team president for the Raiders? Yeah, I thought it was a really cool moment. You know, I, I wasn't familiar with her before, you know, uh, learning that she was going to be the new president of the Raiders, but looking into her resume and what she's done and the fact that she's from Vegas and everything like that. I mean, you know, having worked on the uh, the board of the gaming control, the gaming control board, you know, that to me tells me, you know, she's got contacts anywhere and everywhere. There's no one in Vegas that's not going to pick up her phone call, you know. And so, 
I think, you know, further entrenching the Raiders here in Las Vegas, you know, building that bond with the community, it's a massive move to bring someone like her in, too. You know, and she was great up there. You know, real funny, too, uh, real charismatic. You know, I think she's going to be a great leader for the Raiders on that side of things. Um, you know, and I look at it with Mark Davis. You look at the handful of hires that he's had, you know, in recent memory here now, and, you know, they're starting to look really good. Obviously, we still got to wait and see on the football side of it. That was Ziegler and uh, McDaniels but also on the Aces' side as well. The hires that he's made there, I mean, the Aces are one of the best teams in the league. So if you're a Raiders fan, if you're just a fan of what Mark Davis has done, you have to be happy with the moves that he's made thus far. So I always say that you become a local out here in Las Vegas once you survive three summers. If I recall correctly, <laughs> you've been out here since 2019, right? I have, yeah, yeah. So, but her, she's been out here pretty much since she was two years old. Being a Las Vegas local and now being in charge of the franchise that represents the city in the most important league in the United States, how big is it for now Vegas being have, having one of their own, being the one of the top honchos in the Raiders? Oh, it's massive. I mean, and she even said it, you know, in her introductory press conference that, like, you know, this isn't something that was even possible for anyone, you know, that calls themselves a Vegas native that says that they're from Las Vegas, you know, a handful of years ago because there were no major sports out here. So now having it, like you said, the NFL, the most powerful league in the world, I mean, that is massive. And again, you know, also from the fact that we didn't even touch on it, that she's the first black female to ever be uh, in that position in the NFL. That's awesome for the simple fact if you look at it, any girl growing up, you know, in this area can look up to that and say, hey, this is something I can do. You know, that's where that representation matters. And Mark Davis said it, that both the fact that she's from Vegas and the fact that she's uh, black and a woman has nothing to do with it wasn't part of the, you know, criteria for the resume. But those are all kind of things that you add to it even more that makes this hire, you know, that much better. But again, with the Vegas tie-in, just having those connections and really knowing what people in Vegas are interested in, what people in Vegas, you know, the, the lingo, how we all talk, you know, the, the back and forth and who to talk to to get, you know, certain things done. I mean, you know, she's not an outsider, someone that's coming in trying to figure this out, not trying to figure out how the heck to get home, you know, from work. You know, she knows her way around here. So now she can come in and dive right into just getting to work. And that, I think, is so important that there's no real lag time. Yeah, and she mentioned it yesterday. She has been a lot of firsts, but it's her goal to not be a last, to keep opening yeah. those doors to a lot of people. And the Raiders, the history of this franchise, being able to bring in the first Latino quarterback with Tom Flores, the first African-American head coach with Art Shell. You add Amy Trask as the first CEO in the league. This franchise, that's what makes it special. They don't look at your sex they don't look at your skin color and your background they look at what you are and what you can do and they'll bring you on board if you're necessary this is different from every franchise right jesse yeah i mean 100 percent. you know and i think that is a massive part of it it gets overlooked by a lot of people uh you know outside of you know raider nation and a lot of people that don't necessarily cover the team or just national media as a whole i mean we all know the narrative that follows this team around on the field and things like that. But I think people really need to concentrate more on what this team has done in terms of breaking down those racial barriers and also just giving people, you know, power, whether, like you said, no color, no matter what color you are, no matter, you know, what sex you are, if you can do the job, we're going to give you that opportunity. And I think that's awesome because that's what this world needs more of. Again, like I said, that representation really matters. And Mark Davis and the Raiders over the years and just the Davis family have shown you know, that they're willing to continue to break down those barriers and do those things and, and kind of open doors for so many people and give people hope 
you know, that have never seen anybody of their color, their sex, whatever it is, in a specific position of power like that within an NFL team, give them hope to say, hey, they are doing it, I can do it too. So I think that is a huge aspect that a lot more people need to realize and concentrate on that fact of the history of the Raiders for sure. Talking a little bit about the football side, the guys pretty much right now, they're on their last couple of days off before starting uh, to report at Henderson. The 18th, the rookies show up. The 20th, the veterans are the, is their report date. And a lot of them are out of town. They're enjoying their time off. But one of the guys that's in town took his time to go out there to the introductory press conference, Max Crosby. I mentioned it, and we heard from him in the first segment of the show. What was your impression of seeing Max out there in such an important day for the franchise when I, I don't think he had to, but it was great that he was there? Yeah, it really was. That was me and every other media member there that I talked to. You know, we were all shocked to see him there just simply because you don't really usually see players at these types of announcements, um, you know, and that was really cool, I think, for him to show not only the support for her, but for the team. And, you know, I talked to Will Kiss, the Raiders PR guy, and just said, I was like, man, I don't think there's been anyone on this team that's been more visible than Max, you know, one, since he's gotten here, but also, two, since he signed that contract. I mean, you know, some guys, and I didn't think Max was going to be this guy, but some guys will get their money, they fade off in the distance, do their own thing. You know, they got paid. They can live the good life. This guy has been grinding. He's been there in there working every day. From people I've talked to, they see his car in there every single day. And this is a guy that's showing up for everything, both on the field and off the field, for this team, being a leader. So I think that is huge, just showing the fact of, like, hey, from the player side of things, I'm the leader of this group. I got you. I'm welcoming you to this team. And I just thought that really showed a lot, one, about his character, not that there was ever any doubt about that, but, two, just for what the Raiders mean to him. And I think that's massive for this team to have someone like that, uh, you know, leading kind of the charge for this team on the field. Yeah, and he's a stud on the Raiders, one of the best players on the team roster, but one of the best players in the league. So that's yeah. pretty important. It was very cool to see Mad Max out there in the introductory press conference. I got to talk some football with you as well, Jesse. So what do you yes, think sir. is missing in the equation right now for the Raiders going into training camp? Is there any part of this team that you would like to strengthen in your point of view? Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the two areas that I kind of look to – is uh, at right tackle, you know, and Alex Leatherwood very well may be the answer there. That's just we don't know. And so for me, I'd like to strengthen that simply because it's an unknown uh, at that point. And then also probably uh, at safety, you know, opposite of Trayvon Merrick. Similar questions on, you know, what, what Jonathan Abrams' role could be in this defense. You know, is he ready for that role? Um, you know, so to me, those are the two spots that I'm really kind of keeping an eye on as to who emerges or if they look to bring someone in, you know, all off season we saw different names thrown around and, you know, free agents and whatnot, you know, and those were the two positions that I kind of thought they were going to fill didn't. Um, maybe they add a veteran at that position um, or at either one of those positions, but that's kind of what I'm watching to see not only the battles there, but also if they do bring someone in, you know, to bring that veteran leadership in there. There's been so much talk about the corners. I personally don't really view that as much of a weakness. I think they've got some young guys with a lot of talent and, I believe the coaching staff kind of wants to see this play out a bit and see maybe who, who takes hold of the rope in a sense and, and leads this group. You know, you don't necessarily always need that, that veteran in that group. I think there's a lot of talent there, and I'm excited to see, you know, what a guy like Rocky Seam can do, uh, Trayvon Merrick if he's healthy, um, you know, and, and the other guys like that they brought in with Anthony Avery. You know, he's a good man coverage guy with a ton of speed, real athletic dude. 
So I'm curious to see how kind of that plays out. So of all the talk with the, the corners, I, I don't quite see it. I could be proven wrong, but for me it's going to be that right tackle spot and really just the O-line in general in terms of how that shakes out and then the safety spot opposite of Trayvon Merrick. Expectations, Jesse. You were there at every single home game, and you saw this team go to the playoffs, and now you've reported on them getting this roster even better than they were in 2021 and getting a new coaching staff. What, in your opinion, should be the expectations? Because if I pay attention only to the national media that only look out here to Las Vegas every once in a while, I would think the Raiders are doomed because they don't put a lot of tension and they just go to the flashy names and the rest of the division. In your opinion, as someone who's there every day that they're working out, that the media has access to, what should the expectations be? Yeah, man, you watch the national media and the Raiders should suck, right? (laughs) That's what they say. It's so wild. I watch that stuff and I scratch my head sometimes. And that's not even being a homer for the fact that we cover them. But honestly, I think, you know, this team proved with everything that they dealt with last year, getting to the playoffs and getting to the first round, I think expectations should be getting to the second round of the playoffs, getting a playoff win. And then whatever happens from there happens. But I, I think that is the expectation. It's not going to be easy because, look, we all know, let's be real, like this, this division is one of, if not the best, in the league now with what moves have been made and the quarterbacks that are in this league and the, just the rosters as a whole. I think a lot of people aren't talking about that because it's flashy to talk about all the quarterbacks. But these rosters throughout the AFC West are stacked. So it's going to be tough. But I, I honestly think for the Raiders, that aim has to be playoffs and get a win. So at the very least, get to the second round of the playoffs. If not, then I don't think you can call this season a success. Again, the ultimate goal is obviously to win a championship. But I think realistically, get back to the playoffs and get a dub under your belt in the postseason. And the reality is it's year one for the tandem of Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler. So that's what I've been saying, Jesse. I'm like, look, this is a year where the Raiders are going to make noise with a lot of the national media not expecting it. And once they do it, then you will earn that respect. And that's the only way you can do it, earning it. Nothing is going to be given. I believe so, too. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day... You know, there is that narrative out there, and the only way you can change that is by going out and win and taking care of your business. And I think that's the easiest way to do it because then that kind of shuts people up. You know, people can't say anything. If you string together, you know, a pair of playoff seasons, you know, I think this team can answer a lot of questions and maybe change that narrative, get things going, and get people really to start to look at this group and give them, you know, the props that they probably would deserve at that point. Um, and then also, again, for Josh McDaniels and Ziegler, you know, McDaniels specifically saying, hey, man, you know, yeah, things didn't quite work out in Denver, but this is a new stop. I've got some more experience under my belt. And if he's able to do that, I mean, you know, then the sky's the limit for this Raiders team because it's clear guys have shown free agent wise and whatnot that they want to come here, uh, you know, and having some success. That's a game changer for bringing people in and continuing to build your team. We're talking with Jesse Merrick from News 3 Las Vegas, part of that sports department. Brian Salmon, Jesse Merrick, they do a great job covering sports out here in Sin City. So, Jesse, you don't only cover football. You cover anything Vegas sports related. And yesterday you went from being at Allegiant to being at the Thomas and Mack Center, the Summer League. Today is the first day of full activity. Seven games total out there in UNLV between the Thomas and Mack and the Cox Pavilion. Uh, what are you expecting from the NBA Summer League, and what did you see last night when they had a couple of games? Yeah, yeah, I'm actually pulling right up to the Thomas and Mack right now as we speak, getting ready for day two. Of all I got a GPS on there, you. Yeah, yeah, right? So you knew. <laughs> um 
But, uh, no, yeah, yesterday was cool. You know, I got to see Paulo Brancaro out there, uh, you know, doing his thing, the number one overall pick and whatnot. That was, that was cool to watch. Um, I, I stuck around probably till about, you know, midway through the fourth quarter uh, and had to dip out. But, um, you know, it's cool to see. It's always fun to see, you know, day one of Summer League and what the, you know, fan turnout is like. And there were a lot of people, Brian and I were talking about the fact that, like, man, it was packed. Like, you know, the whole lower bowl uh, was completely full in the early um so that was really fun to see that and just the atmosphere uh and today as i pull up i can already see fans you know filing up the stairs for day two uh we're really going to be watching a lot of the local tie-ins and today that starts with Jaden hardy uh playing for the mavs uh i believe they're taking on the bulls today at one o'clock is what that game is uh so we're going to be watching Jaden. he's the guy that played uh you know for uh, g league ignite out here um you know where they were based in the, uh, this last off season here playing and so he's going to be a fun one to watch a vegas kid uh, and then also later on today, Donovan Williams, who played at UNLV for a year, he is currently on the net. So a couple guys trying to make some waves and possibly get themselves on an NBA roster throughout the weekend. Bryce Hamilton, who a lot of locals will know, uh, he is playing as well. He plays for the Heat, so that's going to be tomorrow. So that's kind of what I'm watching. And excited to see how the guys with those local ties do, man, because this is a great opportunity for all of them. Yeah, and sports in Las Vegas, it just keeps exploding. I know that yes, the Tim Lightwicky and uh, Mark Bedane duo, they got something going on down there south of the Strip <laughs> where they want to get that arena out here. I mean, it's a perfect marriage that you would get NBA out here in Las Vegas. I mean, the players are out here pretty much half the time they're not playing in, in the NBA. So NBA in Vegas, will it work, Jesse Merrick? Oh, 100%. I, you know, ever since I moved here, uh, I've had people tell me this is a basketball town, and I think that just goes back to the roots of the Rebels, you know, and, and Tark and everything like that. This town, you know, I, I don't know any of that because that was when I was growing up. All I know is from watching on TV and whatnot when I was really young. Uh, but, uh, you know, everyone talks about that all the time of, like, if the Rebs could get back to that. And I think if you bring an NBA team here that has success, that's something that's going to be a game changer, uh, you know, that this town is going to be on fire for it. You know, we've obviously seen what's happened with the Golden Knights and the Raiders. This team is starved for pro sports, uh, and I think NBA would kill it out here. And I honestly think it's only a matter of time. I, you know, they say that arena down there that Dane's a part of is going to be done by 2026. I'd be blown away if we don't have a team by 2025 or 2026, uh, at least an announcement, announcement that once come here. It's really between us and Seattle, and I think we're both going to end up getting one. Uh, you know, it's just a matter of a uh, win at this point, I think. Yeah, and I, I know you've been out here since 2019, and if you had taken a picture of Vegas construction in 2019 and then put it a year later, you see more stuff done, and then two years later, way more stuff done, they, they can build that arena, the laborers' union, real quick. So if they can do yeah. stuff quick, Vegas is the place to be. So we hope it's coming out here soon. Jesse, where can folks follow you on social media and, of course, on News 3 Las Vegas? Yes, sir. Always on News 3 tonight. We'll be talking Summer League, a little bit of Golden Knights draft, but you guys can always catch me on Twitter at JesseNews3LV. Absolutely. Jesse Merrick, the man of follow right there on Twitter. I saw that picture uh, of the Summer League yesterday first from you, and I was like, damn, it's packed. I got to talk some Summer League with Jesse Merrick and, of course, Raiders football here on Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. Jesse, thank you so much, man. Muchas gracias, and I hope to see you soon. Yes, sir. Appreciate you, Harry. Have a good one, my man. Thank you so much for joining us today. Jesse Merrick from News 3 Las Vegas. We got Vinny Von Senor coming on, coming on at the top of our number two here on the JT The Brick Show. And Pavan Lacat, a pro Madden player, a gamer. 
He has won four club championships representing the Raiders, and he just turned 22 years old this past week. So he's a young guy, and he is balling when it comes to the gaming community. Raider Nation, let's take a break. But first, we got to say thank you to Sam and Ash Injury Law, our personal injury lawyers. They do everything to take the pressure off of you. Let's go to a break, and we'll come right back here on the JT The Brick Show on Raider Nation Radio. I have um, a tear in the in the muscle in the abdominal. It's obvious that if I keep going, the the injury gonna gonna be worse and worse. Rafa Nadal, the Spaniard, speaking about his injury that he suffered during the Wimbledon quarterfinals. He made it through. He was able to play through that injury and win his match against American Taylor Fritz in an incredible, incredible game in center court on Wednesday. I was actually watching it here in the studio and I was cheering for the American Fritz. Not much because of national pride, but because I'm a Roger Federer guy. So Rafa Nadal, he's his rival. It was a great, great game. I started watching it while I was at the gym that morning. I got to work and it was still going on. And it went on um, almost until the show started here, the JT The Brick Show that I hosted on Wednesday. So it was very, very fun. But Rafa Nadal, he was hoping to get that uh, annual Grand Slam, which win each of the big tournaments this year. Unfortunately, an injury prevented it. From happening, he already won the Australian Open, the French Open, which he wins pretty much every single year, and he was going for Wimbledon and, of course, the U.S. Open. Nadal, let's hear from him again talking about what he couldn't do and why he ended up withdrawing going into the semifinals. I made my decision because I I believe that I can't win two matches. I can't do the normal movement to serve. So with that, Nick Kyrgios, the Australian, he is now in the final of Wimbledon, the championship game against Novak Djokovic. Everybody was hoping Djokovic against um, Rafa Nadal, Nadal contra Nole, and unfortunately, we're not going to get it, but it's definitely going to be interesting to see what happens out there in Wimbledon in the final match. It's Sunday at 6 in the morning, so I'll be watching some highlights. I ain't going to wake up at 6 if it's not Federer Nadal or Federer against Djokovic or Djokovic against Nadal. So good luck out there to Nick Kyrgios. He's going to need it. He's disappointed he didn't have to play. This was the first time in his career he made it into the semifinals. And he got a free pass into the championship game. So good luck to him. He's a nut job. He's a crazy guy. You watch him play tennis, he's breaking rackets. He's screaming at the judges. He's screaming at the fans. He's making a show out there. So it's if he is not winning and he feels he's getting a little bit ripped out there, You'll see him go crazy. So that maybe that's a reason I should wake up at 6 in the morning to watch the final of Wimbledon and get get a workout in early while watching some tennis. We got our first caller of the day, Mitch from New Jersey. Mitch, great to hear you, man. You're a grandpa already? 
I'm sorry? You have a grandkid coming on the way, right? Oh, yeah, next Thursday, uh, six, uh, six days. Oh, there work, you go. I'm going to work until I get the phone call. I know. Hey, sometimes they arrive early, so I had to ask first. Oh, thank you. I've, I got the phone with me. I know I'm talking on the phone, but I can hear the phone call. You know, uh, I got to uh, do my usual stuff. Thanks for the support, man. Thanks for the support. No, thanks for calling. Thanks for taking my call. That the last night I spoke to you that, uh, that morning, I banged my head. Uh, I almost put my head open. Oh, I'm my. I'm going to get stitches. But I keep thinking. I keep, I keep thinking that, that sound. And where the where the world is right now, the craziness is consider myself lucky. Hey, so um, what did you think about the Raiders naming their new president? You know, I wish more. I wish there was more of that kind of thinking. I don't want to get too. Uh, I don't want to go down that 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 slope again. There be some more thinking like that. That is incredible. It's it's uh, quality, not what you look like. And I think it should be fine. They've always been like that. It's about time they put in um, a branch. You know, they don't. He gets very little attention because uh, he was almost as fast as Bob Hayes, but he, you know, he was in Olympics, but he was almost as fast as Bob Hayes, and um, very late. And uh, and I'm sure there's a few other Raiders that they're, they're taking too much time with them. And would you say this season, I like a, a, a depth at running back. And you you have a nice weekend, and I hope I talk to you uh, soon again. After after I'm a gra- grandfather, hey. my prediction. Good luck next week, man. We'll be we'll be hoping for everything to be healthy out there in New Jersey. So I was talking about what a crazy guy Nick Kyrgios is, the Australian tennis player who's made it to the Wimbledon Wimbledon final uh, in the Grand Slam. And if we're talking about a crazy dude, well, we ended up finding out about Chris Sale, who went berserk while playing in the minor leagues this week and a video ended up going online of him just breaking up stuff and being pissed off and throwing a temper tantrum and it was ridiculous but here's what he had to say when he was asked about it because it was crazy the yankees triple a team made chris sale have a mental breakdown on uh wednesday night when i was young i made mistakes i'm not gonna shy away from it i acted like an idiot last night i've acted like an idiot before i do it in the dugout i've been told through the years hey take it to the tunnel so you think you're in a safe space and you think that you're in private that's a place that you're not supposed to really have cameras there's no public access to that so i thought i was in you know kind of a safer spot but hey is what it is man it's it's who i am it's what makes me a big leader it's what makes me good at my job might not be the best for the public guy but what is Who's perfect? Name him. I'd love to shake his hand. Well, Chris Sale, he trashed the Worcester AAA clubhouse after a rough rehab start, and he ended up dropping $6,000 on lunch and dinner for his teammates, coaches, and staff after that video ended up going online. And, Bobby, you're a Red Sox fan. Mm -hmm. You know Chris Sale through and through. What's your opinion on this temper tantrum that he ended up uh, throwing that fit out there in Worcester? Okay, two things. First, he's a jackass. Number two, it's pronounced Worcester, not Worcester. Worcester is a sauce you put on steak. Worcester. Worcester. If you want to be a Bostonian, it's Worcester. I ain't a Bostonian. I'm a West Coast guy. You gotta That's... try you gotta try to make it sound like you're not. You know, you got you gotta have some idea what you're doing here. Worcester. Worcester. There you go. So Chris Sale. No, Chris Sale's a jackass. All right. I'm sorry. I know he's supposed to be my best pitcher and all that, but the guy hasn't pitched in what? Three months? 
he, he pitched three months in the past two years. What, what's the point? Didn't for the money, for the money you're spending on this guy? Jeez, I mean, you know, and he's got numbers like what? Nick Pavetta? Knock it off. All right? I mean, you know, I understand why they got him in the first place. He did fine in 2018. 2019, I think it was like 6-11. and 11. Went for Tommy John surgery. He's like the only guy in the, in the world that went for Tommy John and came back worse. Go figure. <laughs> but, and, and, now, and now the guy's, he's got, this is a story I told last week. He's got a cracked rib. He cracked his rib during spring training in March, okay? Tommy Lee from Motley Crue broke four ribs a couple of weeks ago. Tommy Lee is drumming right now. Four months later, Chris Dale is still aching with his little cracked rib. Well, and Chris Sale making $30 million bucks. And I'm pretty sure Tommy year. Lee ain't making no $30 million bucks. I'm 99.9% sure he's not making that's that That's the thing that kills me, because if you take this conversation to a Boston Red Sox man, they're going to go, you know, Sale is, you know, better than sliced bread. He's better than Pedro Martinez. one of the greatest pitchers of all time. Bullcrap. The guy is useless. You put him on the mound, what's he going to do? Look what he just did a couple nights ago. Gacked up five walks. Five walks. I can gack up five walks. I'm not going to cost you $30 million. Come on now. Seven-time All-Star, 2018 World what? Series champion, but that's what he did in the past. He's not in the same level right now, and that's the problem with these long contracts, that you're paying for hopefully a good year or two, and then the next three, you're going to be in trouble potentially on, Man, um, on what happens. You, the best thing they could do is just cut this guy, pay him off, get rid of him, just get him done. Let him go on to another team and be a jackass there. I'm done with him. Yeah, and I don't buy that excuse that he said right there. It's like, hey, I was in the clubhouse. It's supposed to be a camera-free zone and Wah. this and that. I'm like, dude. Wah. It's like it's it, the 21st century. There's no such thing as a camera-free zone. Nowhere. Anywhere. Exactly. Anywhere you're at. The middle of beep, butt bleep Iowa, there's cameras, man. Come on now. Exactly. You go back 40 years. And you could go to a party and have a good time. And we've heard stories about athletes doing crazy stuff. Thank God. That nobody found out about. Yes. Or there's there's myths of things that happen, but there's no evidence. Thank God. Nowadays, you move not a even finger. A not even a Polaroid. Thank you. You move a nope. finger, and it's... It's out there, so... You flip somebody off in traffic, next thing you know, there's six different cameras that all have a picture of you. And you're on social media out there flipping somebody off, and it's it's crazy. See, not everybody can get away with it. I can get away with that. People expect that from me. Everybody else, no, probably not. (laughs) JT, they'll post him on social media in a second? If they catch him doing that? I'm sorry, what? If they catch JT doing that? No. Honest to God, you you wouldn't catch him doing that because he's really not like that. That's what I was going to say. He's like the most normal guy when he gets out of here. He's just a guy with a wife and a couple of kids, and he lives in Summerlin, and he watches his Yankees and yabba-dabba-doo and whatnot. I mean, compared to the lunatic behind the microphone, it's two different people. It's like Alice Cooper and Vince Fernio. It's two different people completely. There you go. Bobby Machado, I always enjoy talking with him. Hopefully, we get to talk. I get to talk with him a little bit more in hour number two when we talk some baseball. But yeah, Chris Sale, don't do that. Don't break a TV. He ended up paying eleven hundred bucks for a replacement TV. He's like, dude, just go home. And then when you're home, you break whatever the heck you want. Right there, there's no cameras. And if and if the video comes out, guess what? That's your uh, system that's recording it. It's going to be your fault. Let's go to a break. Raider Nation coming right back. Top of our number two. We got Vinny Vonsignor from Raider Nation Radio and the Review Journal.